Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. Welcome to our podcast, Be You, Find Happy. Real life conversations about life and the pursuit of happiness. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be You Find Happy podcast. I have Janusz Pozniak from the Blown Away special on Netflix. He is a glass blower. This art is totally amazing. It actually like holds your breath with anxiety almost. But the analogies for life, like when you've worked so hard on something and to see it shatter, how do you pick back up from that place and move on? Well, Janusz is going to tell you all about that today on our podcast. Prepare to be blown away. Janusz, are you there? Hi. Hi there. Oh, good. You made it. I did. Yes. Oh, good. Well, Michaela here. It's good to connect with you. Well, thank you for inviting me on the podcast. Oh, yes. I'm are so we... excited about all that you've got going on and what you're doing. And I, and I can't wait to share, share your talent with the podcast listeners in, in the world. I had a quick peek just a few minutes ago and... Uh... You've got, like, is it five stars, close to five stars on your podcast reviews? Good job. Yeah, thank you. It's surprising how well the the podcast is done. It was kind of a a fun idea that blossomed, and it really just took off from there. So it's it's been a really exciting journey for me. Yeah, well, everyone was surprised how well I came across on the show, so it's been a side journey for me, too. <laughs> oh, great, great, great. Oh, and I totally want to talk about the show later. So, um, But before we do that, can you can you kind of just share with the listeners a little about who you are and um, and sneak preview how, you know, how you got into glass blowing and uh, the career that you're in? Okay. Well, um, I was sort of a, an average high school student that was sort of leaning towards, um, it was really the arts or geography was where I was centering myself to sort of think to, about a future. And, um, and that ended up just di- directly going to the arts. So I went to a local art college and did a two-year foundation there, which uh, from, from that point, point i could apply to do a degree you know at either universities or independent colleges right and uh, I, I was actually thinking about doing ceramics or jewelry okay um because i'd never even heard about glass at that point you know wow. i'd seen some sort of documentaries on you know making coca-cola bottles or light bulbs or whatever <laughs> um but never thought of it as a medium that you know an artist could use so um, it wasn't until I went to Birmingham University to look at their ceramics course. They have a very established ceramics department there. And whilst and it's a big university, and whilst walking around trying to find the place, I stumbled upon a glass department or an old defunct glass department. Wow. And uh, it was just a small room with some dusty old pieces of glass still on the shelves. And I was like, I, I had never seen anything like it before. So I was really intrigued. And from that point on, I... Um, I did a little bit of research, and it was at that point two universities in the country or colleges in the country that offered a degree program in glass, and so I applied to both, got into them both, luckily, and um, took my pick and went, you know, went to where I ended up getting my degree, which was which was uh, in Farnham, just outside of London. And was this when you were a young a young boy, like after high school, or was this when you were older? Oh, this when I was. This this was when I would. I would have been uh, nineteen years old. Oh wow! Okay. Wow. So I, yeah, because I, because I, yeah. So I was like a year ahead of most people that were entering the the um, that that college at the time to pursue a degree, just because I went to art school and that sort of expressed you uh, into uh, academically. And because I focused in art, so immediately after high school, I was a year ahead of a, a lot of people that went a different route through universities and things. Or different colleges, I should say. And so, and so, it's so, it's so, it's such a creative, it's such a creative venue. At, I mean, and isn't it one of the oldest glass blowing? Isn't it? I mean, it's got to be one of the the older art forms, like next to painting, right? Oh well, glass blowing is a lot older than most people think it is. It's uh, 
you know, I, I don't know if it's well, yeah, it's been it's been around since sort of just I mean Egyptian times, pretty much, maybe just a little bit before, um, and it started off where they were sort of rolling glass over a steel rod and making beads. And then it evolved in Roman times, it evolved uh, and they discovered that you could actually, you know, gather it on the end of a blowpipe and blow it into bubbles. And from there, it just exploded worldwide. And, and, uh, and, you know, it was, it was a very fast way and still is just a very fast way of executing a vessel. Wow. It's, you can add color and, and finish a vessel in, in a matter of minutes if you're doing, you know, something really, really, really simple. Uh, you know, as opposed to any other medium like ceramics, for example, you know, you have to, you have to make it, you have to soft fire it, then you have to glaze it. And, and that can, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you're working, it still takes days, where, whereas glass is, is pretty much instantaneous. You know, you can, you can have something by, you know, out, out of the annealer and cool by the next day, finished. Okay. Uh, even- so it, it's like, it's like, almost like this, like, poetic art when I watch it. And so I'm, I'm wondering, um, there's a couple technical questions, and then I have some more theoretical questions for you. But my first question is, um, is it, is it scary working with the fire? I mean, it's really hot, right? It's, um, well, uh, it's, it is extremely hot. Yes. Uh, for the most part, you know, some, you know, if you blow in Alaska or, <laughs> or Sweden, uh, then you have the opportunity to pull in cold air for your ventilation system. Uh, most places don't have air conditioning because it's just, uh, you know, it's just prohibitively hot and expensive to have an air conditioning system in. Plus, um, you know, just all the negative things about air conditioning. But, um, you know, if, if you're ventilating a shop and it's 80 degrees outside, you can, you can only pull 80 degree air in. And right. it's gonna, so it's a hot environment, let alone, let alone the potential of, of uh, touching the glass and, and standing in front of the furnaces, which are, at, you know, approximately 2000 degrees. Oh my gosh. So you get, you get really hot, but typically you don't burn yourself. You know, the, obviously things do, accidents do happen, but you, you know, the, it's the typical glass blower thing where mo- most of people will say that they've burnt themselves worse in the kitchen than they have in the hot shop. Okay. Cause that's what I was thinking about is times I burnt myself on the cast iron skillet or on the wood yeah, stove. Exactly. You know, it's like your your shields are up. You're you're hyper aware in the hot shop about what's going on. You know, you don't let your guard down. If you let your guard down, the consequences can be pretty severe. In the kitchen, you know, we're all so familiar with it. And, and uh, you know, you let your guard down. You pick something up hot or touch something that you shouldn't because you're not really paying attention. And boom, you're burned. That doesn't happen too often in the hot shop. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you said you described yourself earlier in the conversation as average in school. And I just, that I have a hard time even fathoming that because <laughs> I've seen your art and I mean, and I've, and I've obviously watched the show as well. So I've seen, you know, how you go from conception to finished product and there doesn't seem to be anything average about that. So um, I wonder though, I'd, l- I'd love to understand better um, what's going through your mind when you're working and um, how you kind of take an idea and, and turn it into something tangible like that. Okay. Okay. Well, firstly, I'd like to say that, you know, I think, you know, whether I was average or not, um, and maybe I was average, maybe I was a little bit above average. I, I don't know. I can't, I'd have to look back at my scorecards from school, but uh, you know, I don't think anyone gets anywhere without working really, really hard and you can be good at most things if you work really hard. Some people can become exceptional because they're just, you know, naturally gifted. Mm-hmm. Most part, you know, most people can get a long way by just by working really hard. And that's that's what I've done. I've I've worked hard for a long time, and luckily I've been working hard at something that I really enjoy doing. So you know, every every day, pretty much that I go down to the studio to work, I am excited and looking forward to 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 working with the material. It's just such a challenging material to work with. There is really nothing like it that, that engages you so immediately and, and so 100%. You can't turn away from it, you know? Gravity is always working against you. And, you know, but the, the, the more familiar you become, the more skilled you become, you use gravity, you know, as your friend. But initially, when you're, when you're starting out, gravity is your number one enemy. Everything wants to go towards the ground. Um, uh, so, so I can't, I've kind of lost track of, 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 the, of, the, of the question there, but, but the, 
for me working uh in the studio the the I'm always I always have a very good idea about what's going to happen. You know, some sometimes inspiration comes from accidents or so, something happening that you weren't really expected, but for the most part um I know exactly what I'm going to be doing in the hot shop. There you know, it's an extremely expensive um material to work with. The overheads are very very high and uh you know, if you if you end up watching the show blown away that I that, I, I was in um, some of my work is is about the environment and conservation and things like this and so working with glass and and realizing that you know I have an extremely big carbon footprint it's it's like an internal battle that, that most glass blowers are dealing with and you know we try to do our best working with the material that we do and, and maybe try harder than some uh, outside of that to make up for the <laughs> for the amount of energy we are actually using so uh, you you touched on so many things that I was jotting as you were as you were talking, um, and one of them was the this idea of working really hard. And I've actually um, so I'm a writer, and I've been going through the process of actually um, you know doing the book deal thing, not the self published deal, none of that, but actually the book deal and the amount of hard work that goes into it. Um, it, it's really mind blowing when you think about it. Um, the amount of hours, the amount of time, the amount of, um, you know, the things that you learn as you're going along and the wins and the losses. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, they see the end product and they don't necessarily know that all that, that went into it, all, all of that, that built up to where you are, you know? Right. Yeah. So they they don't realize that. And then, you know, so, sometimes they might, you know, see a video or a show or, or see someone making something. Uh, and it can, it can go both ways. If they're watching somebody who's just starting out, they're like, oh, my God, that, no, that, that looks really difficult. And if they see someone that's, you know, that's been doing it for a while, they, they, can, they can understand that it's, it's a skill that um, is acquired and, and, and you can make it look easy. Like, like, you know, most sports or, you know, skills that you use your hands with, dancing, anything. You know, the, the good people make it look easy. Uh, but but then, you know, a lot of people um, are, they don't understand why some things are so expensive. And mm-hmm. some things are and some things aren't. But, the you know, the amount of time it takes sometimes to develop an idea, to get the amount of refinement that you're required, it can take years. And it's not just you or, you know, the, myself or whoever it is making the piece, you've got to hire other people to help you make those pieces and you're burning the fuel and paying for the studio and da, 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 da. So, so, you know, all that failure, you know, it, it has to be, you know, you have to end up paying for it somehow. Right. And ultimately, right. Ultimately, you know, after, you know, years and years of dedication, you can start to pay for it by charging a little bit more for your work. Mm-hmm. Did you have a moment? Ground. <laughs> did, <laughs> did you have a moment where you realized that? Because, like as you described earlier, that you've worked really hard, but then there's also some people who tend to excel in certain things, and it is because they have more of a natural talent or gift. There was there a moment where you started to realize, uh, I, I I think I have the, a knack for this. I I seem to I seem to get this, or this seems to be like an extension of my own self. Um. Well. I have been, you know, doing this since I was 19 years old. Now, 50, you know, that's starting at college. So I've been, I've been working outside of college since, since I was, uh, since 1987. Um, and then in 1991, I moved to the, to Seattle, and uh, I'm 54 now. So I've been at it more than half of my life, and I am just really starting to get a little bit of confidence, hoping. Um, that I can make it, I mean, I've made it work, but now I have uh, a family, I have a wife and a kid and another one on the way. And so making money is really, really important. It's not just about surviving and, and you know, and carrying on as a struggling artist. It's about being able to support and, and, and you know, my family, along with my wife's help, of course, she's also an artist, but um, it's, I, I have always struggled with the business side of things. You know, I can blow glass. There's, I don't think anyone would question that. It's up to other people to decide whether or not they would consider me an artist or how good the glass I blow is. That's that's not to me to decide. That's up to the customer or the or the art critic or whatever. But uh, I have seen people who have uh, 
who have had maybe less natural ability in the hot shop than me. You know, so I am, I, you know, like I said, I'm pretty comfortable with the material. I, I really enjoy it. I'm quite good at it. But on the other side of it, the business side of it, which is what you need to be good at to sell your work and promote yourself to galleries or collectors, I have always been extremely bad at it. <laughs> so, so um, I think it goes hand in hand. I do. You, you know, you see these like super, super talented singers and stuff, and they can't, they don't get known because they're afraid to be out there, or they they don't know how to promote themselves from a business perspective. Yeah. So I can definitely see that. It's it, you know, yeah, it's uh, so across all, all all walks of life, really. You know, some people, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be really gifted in in a lot of different areas to succeed. You know quickly at least otherwise it can be a long battle before you get a break uh, you know and thing as things start to turn around and then if you get that break you know it's up to you to really to really uh, seize that opportunity and and hopefully keep that opportunity alive and rolling and build yeah, the momentum yeah. going yeah yeah so um that's kind of so- that's kind of where i'm at at the moment after all this time this is really you know i, I know we haven't touched the subject of the of the Netflix show yet, but um, I've never had an audience like I have right now, and it, it's uh, it's really up to me from here on out. Oh, I absolutely can can relate to that pressure that you're talking about with uh, you know keeping the momentum going and um, and seizing the opportunity, you know, carpe diem, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that you you mentioned earlier is gravity, and uh, so my husband actually own uh, we own a machine shop. Uh, CNC machine shop do we do precision machining and so when you were describing you know one the cost of the material that you're working with and you know from his perspective he's doing uh, you know precision very precision work and it and all it can take is one wrong program and it takes two you know too deep of a cut and and the whole material is scrapped and all the hours that you've you put into it right shattering feeling of loss and literally for you it's literally shattering yeah um how do you handle that how do you handle when something you've been working on for so long or you've invested your emotional space into comes crashing down well um you know some people some people are born with a natural ability just 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 sort of absorb things and and move on i certainly wasn't (laughs) And, (laughs) and um and uh, I've become a lot better at it. I, I played golf as a as a teenager, and uh, if if things didn't go well on the golf course, oh my my! I'm glad that I'm glad people didn't have cell phones back then, because <laughs> I would be I would be throwing my golf clubs. I would be you know I'd be having fits. It was it was, it was ridiculous, you know. And it, it happens to a lot of people. But it was it was I don't know. Time flies by. It had been like 20 years or so since I'd played golf and I went and I'd been blowing glass you know, professionally here in, in the States for a, a number of years. And I went out just for fun to play golf, you know, rented a, rented a set of clubs and went to play with friends. And uh, everything had changed. You know, I couldn't do anything that would get my goat. It was all just funny and no big deal. Wow. And, uh, and I think that's kind of what has taught me uh, you know, working with glass over the years is like, it is so precarious. So many things can go wrong in, in a flash, you know, and, uh, you know, it can be your fault. It can be someone else that you're working with, you know, that makes a mistake. Um, but ultimately you're a team. So you're all working together and hopefully you're all doing your best. And if someone makes a mistake, you or somebody else, then you just have to absorb that mistake and, and, you know, and, and, and move on and try to stay positive. And that, has become easier for me. It was definitely a struggle in the earlier part of my career, but now it's, um, uh, it still hurts. And some days are easier than others, but you have to, I mean, there's no good, there's not, no, nothing good comes out of negativity in any walk of life. And, and that's really, uh, a lesson that, um, that I've learned and I'm still learning. And yeah, and there's always people that I see are better at it than me and they inspire me to do better. And, it's it's a it's a path it's a journey we're all on and we just try to we just try to do better i hope i i love what you said about uh negativity and letting go of that and that's something that in my psychotherapy practice that i often work with people about you know our our perspective on the events that 
occurred is up to us. You know, we have the ability to look at it in a different, more positive light. And, but it's not always so easy to do. So it's, it's neat to hear you say that, you know, after practicing in kind of the environment that you've been in, you've, you've seen, um, you've seen your own growth there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've, 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 I felt it. And I, I think that, um, um, you know, my, uh, fellow glass workers here in Seattle have uh, have seen an, ev- an evolution of, of Janusz Pozniak too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, my husband and I, when we were early dating, we went to Ireland to golf and uh, we each came home with one less golf club. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so I can relate to that. And uh yeah, the just this past weekend he was actually out uh King Salmon fishing and kind of what you were describing with teamwork and you know, he'd spent all this time roping this this king salmon and Uh-oh. his friend actually knocked it off with when he went to net it. Uh, and yeah. uh, and I was impressed to see his his kind of response to that because in know, the past that's, that's... <laughs> That's a funny sort of. I, I can. It's an analogy. I can. You can kind of compare. I've, I've been. I was just uh, just a month ago or so. I was I was working for another artist, helping her create some pretty large pieces for a, for a project she was doing. And uh, so I was I was in, I was in, I was the head of the team. It was a, a five person team, I think. We were making these big pieces, and uh, you know everything was going well. We were about to you know take it off the punty to put it in the annealer. And uh, the golden rule is at that point, the person who's loading it, you know, they're all suited up with their high temperature suit and, you know, face mask on and their gloves. And you've always got to be underneath the piece at that moment, just in case something happens. And sure enough, right at that critical point where when this person should have been underneath getting ready to catch it, they weren't. Oh. And, you know, instead of the piece falling into their gloves, it fell onto the floor. And it's... Oh. Which is, you know, it's not only like, okay, we've lost this piece where four people have been working on for an hour. Like, it could have been, you know, you're talking about shrapnel of, you know, 2,000 degree glass flying across the floor. Wow. And, uh, and he was wearing shorts, which I don't t- typically uh, condone in the hot shop, but that's, that's just personal preference. So he could have got cut. And, uh, you know, it's like no one, no one feels worse than the guy that made the mistake. Mm-hmm. And so, if if you don't react properly and with some sort of positivity, then it's going to bring the whole team down, and in particular that person, and they're going to be nervous, and the, you know. So you really just have to try and take the high road, and uh, and and like you said, you just just stay positive and move on, because nothing nothing's going to change what's happened. I, I love I love that idea that um, just like positivity or happiness is contagious, so is negativity. And, and uh, you know, if one person agrees and gets fired up and gets angry, then the next person does. And um, and I and I think that uh, it's it's awesome to be around people when you surround yourself with people who are more resilient to negativity that way, how much happier of a life you can live in general. Yeah, those are very true words. You know, I have definitely struggled with uh, um, being uh, negative, and I, I, my, my wife sort of thinks I usually look on the on the pessimistic side of things. I don't like counting my uh, chickens, as some people say, <laughs> and my wife loves counting them, and uh, so we battle on that one. As I, I, I don't get excited about things until they've happened, and she gets excited about things if they're if she thinks they're gonna gonna happen. And, uh, you know, that, and that's just difference in personalities, but, um, uh, I'm losing track here. Da, da. I think you were, I think you were basically talking about the idea of who you surround yourself with and what their attitude or their response is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's really, it's really important to be aware of, of who you are and, and, and how you're perceived by others throughout your life. And then it's really important to, to be aware and absorb people around you that you think are doing a good job, you know, like have role models, you know, you don't have to idolize anybody, but you can certainly appreciate somebody who you think is doing a good job. And, you know, you know, I work with people very closely because it's a team of glass blowing team, but I, we can all learn from people who are, who are around us. And, you know, if you see somebody on a regular basis that is doing something well you know coping with a, a, a situation well then uh, I, I think it's really worth spending the time to to really try and absorb that and and, and learn from it 
Mm, I totally agree. I totally agree with the importance of mentors and, and having people who are, can inspire you regardless of whether they're in the same field or another field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you certainly inspired a lot of people on the show. So this would be a good time to segue into that, into that dialogue. And I know that there's some, you know, uh, glorification or whatever liberties that they take in in television but uh you definitely didn't come across as pessimistic that's for sure you you seem to lift up everyone that you worked with and even in the team episode um can can you talk a little bit about you know what inspired you to to go on a show like blown away Yeah, well, um, when the sh- the shout out or whatever you you call it, when when uh, when uh, Marvel Media and Netflix put the word out on Netflix on uh, sorry on um, Facebook and Instagram that they were looking for um, applicants to t- take part in this show, blown away. Um, Seattle is is the is the epicenter of the world for contemporary glass blowing. Um, the, the you know there's a lot going on here more than anywhere else in the world outside of Murano, Italy. Um, and there was, it was, it was kind of shrugged off by most people, including myself as like, not really a, a healthy thing to do. We've Seattle has always been a sharing community of, of glass blowers where we all share our skills and knowledge and help each other out. That's why it's, this city has grown so much as far as a, a glass city. And uh, so the thought of competing with other people really didn't, appealed me at all and uh and it was weeks later that my wife brought the subject up again and she was like you know this could be good for us we need you know we need more exposure we need more people to see what you're doing and you know it might help us you know make more sales and give us you know create opportunities for us and if you know if your wife says that and you've got a two-year-old kid at home and, and you're struggling like what can you do? You're like, well, if there's an opportunity there, you got to take it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I did. I applied, and and uh, I guess I fit the demographic they were looking for. You know, they needed an old white guy in there. <laughs> and uh, and um, so it all started. And um, once you're there, you just I just tried to do the 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 best I could. Now, it, so a couple of things. The first time I ever saw glass blowing was in, I want to say it was, it was in Italy. And I, th- I thought it was Burano, but maybe it was Murano. Well, there is a Burano anime. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was the first time I'd ever seen glass blowing. Um, and, you know, it didn't really make my mind after that, although Seattle is my favorite city and we frequently travel through there. As a matter of fact, when you and I connected, I was in the Seattle airport. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so I've always seen the beautiful art and things like that, but I never really thought much more of it until the show. And then it really kind of came back full force in my mind of, wow, this is such a unique talent and such a unique art. So I'm glad that um, the glass blowing community did see what benefits it could have for just yeah. awareness, you know. There really was, um, you know, when the show when the show came out after it was filmed, or you know, they started showing the previews about it. There was still a lot of uh, comments on Facebook and stuff of people that I know even that were really pessimistic and negative about it, and uh, just didn't think it would do the glass community any good at all. And it has all turned around. You know, I think the show was filmed in a very good way. You know, they didn't encourage drama. Any drama that you see on the show, you know, it's not. They didn't edit it in a drama. What the show was pretty realistic as, as to how things went on. I mean, obviously they didn't show it all, but I, th- I think that was a really good slice of of, of reality. Um, and uh, I. I really thought they did a fabulous job of how they laid out 
the various different competitions and things, you know, the, the, in the, each week, the competitions you had, I felt like they did a really great job of um, creating a sense of unity there in the themes and, and how they did it. It, it really tapped into probably each person's uh, skill level too, in different ways, which is yep. really neat. The, the, you know, the, the, nobody that, that worked on the, you know, the production side of it had ever done anything like this. The, ca- the camera crew had never filmed anything like this, you know, either in, you know, on video or, or taking photographs of glass, working in that kind of hot environment, you know, under, with that sort of um, movement. You know, the camera guys didn't know what was going to happen next. Everybody was learning on their feet. And, you know, for, for season one, I think they did a really good job. Hopefully they'll have a season two, and I'm sure things will be fine-tuned a little bit. But I think, I think they did a really good job. And to, and to think that they crammed, you know, the, the shortest challenge was four and a half hours, and the longest one was, it was I think, six and a half hours. Oh, wow. To That's think a that lot they, of footage, yeah. To cram that all into 23 minutes. That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, so... One of the things my husband and I really liked about you on the show was uh, that she would come up and ask you, you know, what are you working on? And you would very respectfully in this really great way say, I'm not going to chat with you because I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, you know, that, that was my, um, I, guess, I guess, my um, experience, maturity coming into play there. I was more than happy to talk to Kathy at any point when it was a good time to talk. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you're under the gun, and you've got four hours to make something, there isn't going to be that many opportunities. So I wasn't afraid of saying, and they made it really clear, you know, very, very clear, the directors of the show, the producers, that under no circumstance were we ever to compromise anything we were doing to talk. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Camera guys were in a way, they would get out of the way. We just had absolutely on what we were doing. Well, because it can be dangerous, right? I mean, it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we I, you know, the camera. We weren't going to b- burn the cameraman, but if they, you know, if they moved the wrong direction, you know, the wrong way when we weren't expecting them to, um, you know, then they could possibly get burned. Yeah, you know, we weren't going to go running to them, but right. Yeah, so you know, it's they were in the middle of something that they'd never been in the middle of before, and and you know, they 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 just did a really good job. They were light footed and respectful and. I'm probably terrified. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I often say that I think it would be neat to have a reality show in a machine shop. <laughs> yeah. Similar to that, you know, the pressures that go on with these big castings and forgings and and what they're machining and yeah, it's 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 similar to that. You know. Yeah. When you when, when you talked about your husband, you know, pretend, you know, losing a piece in the you know in the CNC machine, it's 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 like I can relate to it so much, but at the same time, it's it's such a it's such a, I mean, it's both a hopeless situation, but, you know, I'm so sort of hands-on. And when you put that block of steel, aluminum, whatever it is in the CNC machine, you press go on the program you've done, it's going. Mm-hmm. And if it goes wrong because of something you programmed, then, you know, it's, it's so hands-off, but you're still so absolutely unable to do anything about it. It's done. Yeah, yeah, the carnage like, is, so is immense. <laughs> yeah, the result is the same thing, and the emotions that are sucked into it are exactly the same. It's just this feeling of loss and hopelessness that you've just got to, you know, overcome. Yeah, I've I've heard I've been in the shop upstairs and heard, you know, this you you start to when you work in a shop like this, I'm sure you can relate. Um you start to just know the hums and sounds and what's right and what's not right and uh whenever I hear something not right and then he he leaves. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> that was a big one. He, yeah, he usually just gets in the truck and goes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, you talked a little bit earlier, and I really want to touch on this because I know this came out a lot in the show, and I I certainly connected to it a lot. Um, the conservation piece of things and kind of the nature of of an artist is typically pretty mindful of of you know of global footprints and things like that and the impact um, that we have on the world. And then there is this piece of you that's like, but this is what I do. And there is a certain element of it that cannot, you know, it, it is contributing to that. So how, how do you kind of battle that in your mind? Well, um, there's no, there's no escaping that, you know, making glass, you are, you are building, you you you're, you know, for the most part, we're burning fossil fuels, and uh, there are there are now a lot of uh, there's a lot of technology that's burning less, and or using electricity, which could possibly be solar powered. 
Um, so, you know, th there is a lot of effort going into making it um, more green. Um, but the, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does, it does, it absolutely matters. But the thing is, you can get down yourself for so many reasons in this life we have. And, uh, you know, people could get down on me for being a glassblower and hypocritical about being all about the environment and then burning all these, all these, uh, fossil fuels to make what I make. But, you know, you can pick on people for anything and some people, it might, it might be more justified, but, I chose my path and I'm trying to do the best I can with that chosen path. And ultimately I'm, I'm making things that hopefully, and it, and it's, you know, people, I bring some sort of joy and relief to people because they, they enjoy what I do. The, the, the few people, you know, on a, on a day to day basis really understand that how much of an impact the arts have on their life like it could be their favorite pair of shoes it could be their their car or uh the house they live in you know all of those things have been designed by an artist that went to art school and uh, is following their dream of uh being creative mm, and, so true so true and, and and it's just so easy to live your life and forget all that and just think that you know artists are a bunch of uh, self-serving losers that have got nothing better to do with their lives. You know, right. That don't, that don't contribute to society. And uh, and the fact and the fact of the matter is that they actually contribute a lot. I've got some numbers here that I actually had prepared because I, I it's just been something that's been on my mind as, as you might have realized. But here it goes. It's like the arts contribute seven hundred and sixty three point six billion to the um, GDP. That's four point two wow. GDP. And counted 4.9 million workers who earned 372 billion in total compensation. That's per year. So, holy it's a, moly, it's a big deal, you know. Yeah, it's it's not just a, a you know a bunch of of uh, hippie go lucky um, people working in the basement or whatever. You know, just just trying to make themselves happy and make pretty things. It's it's. It, it it covers all walks of life and and without the arts it would be a very gray dull unhappy world we live in i completely agree and i can so relate to it i mean obviously with my husband and his machining world and he's often saying you know people don't realize that was machined that was machined as we're out and about but then as a writer and you know my books that the the physical paper came from a tree and all of that i i totally can relate to the struggles you're you're talking about because um you know, I, I have a garden, we grow our food and stuff like that. So I try to do my best. We try to do our best to, to reduce our carbon footprint, but. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a keen, keen gardener too. And, uh, and, you know, people, you know, people that might be even critical, it just came to mind when you said, you know, that you're a writer and you, you know, you cut, they cut down trees and then people say, well, you know, you can, you can just, uh, you should not buy books and do it buy ebooks and then it's like well you buy ebook and all, all the, everything you look at an ebook on is powered by a battery and that's uh, you know a, exactly uh, that's not good for the environment at all either so it's there's really no there's no at the moment you know mankind we're on, we're on a really bad track <laughs> and uh we have yeah. to self-evaluate and uh, you know a lot of people in power right now are going in the wrong direction in my opinion you know some some countries are trying to go in the right direction but as as a whole humanity is we're doomed unless we turn things around. We're completely doomed. I, I completely concur. And actually just, just recorded a podcast that'll be coming out um, tomorrow about this idea that we can do better. We can do better as a society and we, we have to find a balance. Yeah. Well, we can do better. You know, sadly, is, the sad thing is this, you know, society as, as it's evolved right now, there's a lot, of, a lot of people with a lot of power and a lot of money that uh, sort of dictating the way things are going. And it's, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm worried for my kids and, uh, and their kids if it lasts that long. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I, my son's eight and I, and I wonder and worry almost every day, you yeah. know? Yeah. Cause it's going, it's going, it's changing rapidly, more rapidly than it ever has before. And, yeah. If you just look at the last 200 or so years and what we've done in that amount of time. So a technical question, and this might make me seem pretty naive, but does, does the glass beads originate from sand? Um, the, uh, the, the glass, the, the number one um, ingredient in glass is, is sand. Yeah. It's silica sand. 
Okay. <laughs> and then, then, you have a few, then you add a few other um, materials to either make it more sparkly or to color it. You know, the obvious, most obvious one would be cobalt. You know, put a bit of pinch of cobalt in some clear glass and it turns it blue. Um, and you know, there's fluxes and things that make the glass work longer. Uh, like it, like we like we like a long working glass. Imagine a paint that sets really quickly. If you're trying to paint something and, it, and the paint keeps drying, end up with all these brush strokes in there. Like if you're blowing glass and the glass sets really quickly, gets cold really quickly, you can't do anything without you know getting up and heating up again. It's just it's just uh, not a good thing. If you make a Coca-Cola bottle or a light bulb or a Pepsi bottle, it <laughs> doesn't matter what kind of bottle you're making. But mass production, they want that glass to freeze immediately. Mm -hmm. so how did they figure this out how did they figure out that sand you know turns into glass and that glass i mean how did all do you know <laughs> i can tell you one thing they were a lot smarter than me i don't know <laughs> so where was the hot shop on the show was it in seattle no it was uh it was it was built specifically for the show uh just north of toronto and uh, in, in a town called Hamilton, which Hamilton, which is the uh, equivalent of Pittsburgh, is a Canadian steel town. Okay. Oh and, wow. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, big, empty uh, warehouses that uh, they converted into um, this, the biggest hot shop in North America, and a lot of people scoffed at that, but in actuality, they did, because they, they they tried to rent somewhere where they could film the show, which obviously you know it took six weeks to film the show. It'd be hard to find somewhere that had an opening for six weeks let alone somewhere where they could have 10 artists blowing all at the same time. Right. And there wasn't, and simply wasn't anywhere capable of doing it. So they had to build their own thing. So it was a pretty big uh, operation. Had, yeah. yeah. They had no idea how much things would cost. You know, it was like, we, we all know, but you know, that it's not like they, they're setting up a cooking show and they needed to buy <laughs> you know, 10 high end stoves and a, and a few countertops and boom, there you go. It was like, this is a whole nother thing. <laughs> It sure was a cool shop, though. Yeah. No, they did a really good job of making it look like it had been there for you know, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So the transition to when they put the they put the pieces up in the uh, the showroom or whatever. How did that work? Was that like the next day? Because it takes some time to cool and everything, right? Yeah. You know, they for 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 TV. You know, they 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 kind of edited it down a, a, a little bit just to keep the audience. You know on the edge of the seat or whatever, but yeah, everything needed to cool down overnight and then it needed to be uh, cold worked. You know, if anything needed to sit straight, you know, if it was a bit wobbly or some things needed to be glued together, then uh, we, everything was done under the gun. Everything was timed. We were all, everything was very fair. And uh, if you didn't get it on the pedestal in time, um, then you, you, it wasn't, you, there was nothing to be judged. That wasn't a problem for yeah. anybody, luckily. Um, but uh, yeah, it was all—it was all pretty nail biting. The, well, the the worst part of any of it wasn't wasn't the stress of how little time you had. The the the, the worst, most worrying, stressful part was how much waiting around there was between everything. It took th oh. it took three days to film one show, which wow. then, is then edited down to twenty three minutes. So wow, a lot of waiting around and uh, worrying. And, you know, I'm missing your family or, or, or whatever else is going on in your life. Sure. So. Um, well, so can we can we chat for a few minutes about your competitors, your the people that you were in the hot shop with? Yep. I'm hardwired in now. I can talk all day. OK. Did you have a favorite? A favorite competitor? Yeah. Like a favorite person to work with, someone that you maybe felt more inspired by or someone that was just a real pleasant team, you know, person to be in the hot shop with. Oh, well, you know, it's like, it, I don't want to give anything away to who, uh, who hasn't seen the show, but there, sure. there was one challenge where, you know, whoever was left, which was four people, um, we were divided into two teams and, and, uh, one of us had to pick who was there going to be their um, partner and that was a that was a prize from winning the previous challenge you got to pick who was going to be your partner in the next challenge which is a which was a team challenge and so at that point you know I, I had only known um, one other person in the show I, I you know I'd only met, met them once before well actually met met them a few times before um, and I knew I thought I presumed 
I had been given the impression that she'd worked with one of the other contestants before. So my main goal was to break that team up. Separate them up. Oh, yeah. it, <laughs> so it was more about that than working. And everybody, the thing was, everybody on the show were, were they were all nice people. I, you know, I, I feel really fortunate. The community we work in, um, most people are really nice, encouraging, helpful people to get along with. You know, we're all in the same boat. We all try to do our best. And uh, this was slightly different. You know, it's like you want to pick some, you want to pick somebody who's going to help you the best and maybe make the other team weaker. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing personal going on there at all. You know, it was just sure. it was just pure tactics. And uh, turned out, turned out my tactics were wrong because the other person hadn't worked with the other person before anyway, so that didn't make any difference. But the person that I did choose to be my um, cohort. Uh, and it ended up being just uh, working out just great. And we're actually hoping to collaborate in the future on some more. It really did. And I hope yeah. you guys do. That was, that was really fabulous. Yeah. So without giving anything away about the ending, is there anything that you would have done different in the competition? Um, no, no, absolutely not. I did. I, you know, I did my best. I, th- I did actually get a haircut just before the final challenge <laughs> and that really piss the producers off <laughs> oh really <laughs> Cause, oh wow because you weren't supposed to change anything you know for the edit and uh, oh my and uh, i i uh, i sort of i didn't realize that i mean they told us not to do certain things and and then people were getting little trims and things and and i was like oh screw it i'm just gonna get a haircut and uh, and then i walked in and they're like Oh, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought, you know, but it makes sense. I mean, it does. They have, yeah, they like, they're, they're taking three days and editing it down to a few moments. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it was, it was the start of the three days. So it's just that they couldn't edit one of those three days into the previous, you know, whole thing. Cause they cut, they cut and splice backwards and forwards over the whole 10 episodes. So one of the things that I noticed was that Deborah seemed she seemed tough. She seemed like a tough cookie. I mean, she's obviously very eclectic and very different, but she seemed like she would be difficult um, for your personality type to be in the room competing with. How how was that for you? Oh, you know, Deborah, we, we all have our personality traits and Deborah did her best and I did my best and we just tried to um, work in the same studio with each other. Uh, I, you know, I, I commit, she made some wonderful things uh, as I hope people think I did. And, um, that's all I have to say, really. I can honestly say every episode, my husband and I were like, we'd buy that. We'd buy that. Yeah. Buy that. <laughs> every episode. So what's your favorite thing you've ever made? Ever made or on the show? Ever made. Oh, um, maybe that's too hard. Maybe just on the show. <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's, it's like asking me what my favorite color is. I, I really have a hard time answering that. But you know, maybe my the favorite thing I ever made. Um, I'm sure you know. As as you make, it was just last Christmas. I made my wife a Christmas present. Um, and uh, it was, um, it was just something really personal. And uh, and uh, it tur- just turned out really well. And I was really happy about it. And I saw that we were going to visit her, her, her family in Canada. And uh, it's got a long story short, I lost it. Oh. And I was oh, no. devastated. And, um, and I wrote to the airlines and said, I think my luggage has been gone through. I can't find this thing. I know where I put it. And da, 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 da. And anyway, it turned out I'd just been the biggest space head on the planet. And uh, I'd, I'd unpacked it in Canada and hidden it like in a hurry and then, for- then forgotten where I hidden it. And then I, and, and, and it wasn't until like a, a month later that her mom found it uh, stuffed underneath a cushion on an armchair. Wow. Uh, all this drama. And uh, so she shipped it back to me. I ended up giving it to, to my wife for Valentine's day instead of Christmas. And, uh, <laughs> well, now it's even more special, <laughs> yeah. especially because it survived being under the armchair of the couch. I, I mean, it wouldn't it survive for five seconds it there got, in my house. It didn't. It got it got it bro- broken, but I repaired it. Oh, uh, <laughs> so it's just this, this huge drama for this this tiny little thing that just involves. It's just a little a little <laughs> cluster of hearts that um, represent the, the three of us and a and a, and a and a and a child that we that we lost, and uh, oh. and it was just really. Uh, 
it just you know some things it just worked so perfectly the first time and when some you know it's like it's like a sign that was meant to be and and it, it was it was it was just a devastating loss when it vanished into thin air no. oh. and then just such an amazing uh recovery <laughs> right it made it more special oh, it made it word. more special yeah oh it did it truly did i had a recent thing similar to that where i lost it and uh you know thought it was gone forever and then when it finally showed up i it was i almost didn't even believe it like i almost couldn't even believe it exactly i was i was embarrassed and, re- and relieved and oh there's so many emotions <laughs> attached to that piece now <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That's a great story to tell. And so where can people buy your art? Where where can people find you? Oh, well, um, I have a website. And actually, my store just opened. My first store, online store, opened uh, Monday night at 7 o'clock. Congratulations. Thank you. My wife worked very hard on getting that all up and online. That's the first time I've ever had an online store. And it's uh, it's just a limited uh, release thing. And now we're going to close the store up and build up an inventory and reopen it, but it's yanushpozniak.com, my name.com. And I can add that to the show notes as well. Yes, please do. Yeah. And if anyone's interested in seeing that piece that I'm talking about, then uh, I, that is uh, that piece that I made for my wife is, is actually on my Instagram. So you can check it out there. Oh, and your Instagram is awesome, by the way. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so great. I love seeing your work. You, you're super talented. Um, you know, I having a hard time just even like drawing a stick figure. I was so impressed that you could take such a such a pie in the sky idea and sketch it out. And then, I mean, just even the glass, I can't blow a bubble with gum to see. That was just amazing. And then and it was so uh, not only was it just so stunning and spectacular, but it was so spot on with with what your vision was to what. It, what you actually ended up creating and i'm it's mind-blowing your talent is mind-blowing yeah i'm still here uh sorry just got uh i don't know what to do here i can't hear you oh no you can't hear me uh let me i can just about hear you it's gone quiet oh it was it on speaker maybe try to put it up to your ear all right <laughs> up to my ear okay is it working yeah you hear me better now yep i think this this app does funny things sometimes that I can't figure it out. <laughs> oh my. Well, I was just saying that your, your talent is, is absolutely astronomical and, and beautiful. And I can't wait to pick up a piece of your art. I'm very excited. Well, thank you so much for all the compliments. It's, um, you know, I, we just all try to do our best and, and I, I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you back sometime to chat more in depth about the topics that we kind of just touched on today, like conservation and and things like that. I'd, I'd love to have you back. So I hope you're willing to come back on the podcast someday. Oh, it'd be it'd be my pleasure, absolutely. And and next time you're in Seattle, please come by and visit. Yeah, that would be great. I I definitely will. Thank you for being on BU Find Happy today. Well, thank you for inviting me. We'll we'll connect offline. All righty. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out our links. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.